Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies and... On this episode, I'm going to basically just play for you the live chat that we had after the Rockies' big monstrosity of an ugly loss to the Houston Astros. I thought I was going to talk for maybe 10 minutes and just have it as a bonus video, but we got a lot of questions and, and comments and and looking forward to do here. So while some of this is a breakdown of the 13-6 to loss, really this is much more of a checkpoint of the season where are we right now how are you feeling what's going on and and fielding some questions here so because I ended up talking for closer to 35 minutes than 10 minutes surprise surprise uh, I I wanted to go ahead and include it as today's podcast so remember to help out all of our sponsors the Strava Craft Coffee drink your Breck Brew download WGT Golf at dnvrgolf.com go to Green Mountain Dental Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use your promo codes for all of that stuff. So without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation and just ignore the part where I say this won't be on the podcast. Not going to do this for too long and probably not going to save it for the podcast. I can't imagine there are too many folks who want to revisit this one too much. So these live random bonus videos are brought to you by our good friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. Remember, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray or exam with them, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. But I figured I'd just um, talk through some things and and answer some questions today. And, um, you know, this was obviously the ugliest loss so far of the season for the Rockies, a 13-6 defeat at the hands of the Houston Astros. Uh, The bullpen really completely imploded there. Um, It wasn't a terrible start from Ryan Castellani. Uh, You know, he he made a few mistakes. I'm sure that, that he wants back. The home run he gave up to Martin Maldonado, not a terrible pitch. Uh, but not where he wanted it. Fastball down and in, a little bit of sinking momentum, but not quite what he was hoping for there. Um, the the curve to Carlos Correa was a really bad pitch. Um, right after he locked him up with a pretty decent one. The curveball to uh, Kyle Tucker was not a good pitch. But other than that, uh, you know, he, he was missing his spots a lot more in this one than he has in in the previous games. But the stuff was still there. He was fooling guys with the curveball a lot. He just hung it a couple of times, but they were absolutely firing at it when he was placing it where he wanted to below the zone. The slider was a good pitch all night. Um, you know, he managed to do... Uh, five and two-thirds innings there, having given up just the two runs. And, you know, for your fifth starter, especially a guy who's in his third game at the big league level, more often than not, you're, you'll accept that. But obviously in this one, 
um, didn't end up being anywhere close to enough. The Rockies' offense didn't muster anything until they were well, well out of it. And and this time there, you know, there's no fingers to point anywhere. There there wasn't um, there there was no questionable umpiring. There was um, uh, Valdez was not particularly great on the mound. He threw some really good curveballs in key moments, but for the most part, he didn't pitch a great game. The Rockies were undisciplined. They swung at bad pitches or pitchers' pitches in. Um, hitters counts. Nolan Arenado had a really bad one that springs to my mind as I talk about this after Charlie, I think, had, had drawn a walk. And just the first pitch was a changeup that was well out away from him, and he just flailed at it, tapped it right back to the pitcher for an easy double play. Alex, when do you bench Nolan? I mean, you never bench bench Nolan but for a game you may have to do it again or you know Bud Black's in a weird tight spot here too because I I saw some people asking about almost anybody else you'd move him down in the lineup at least at this point he's hitting what 225 yeah 0 for today Uh, I mean he's really eating it out there and here's what's weird to me too because we've talked about before when he goes into these slumps and then you can feel he's going to break out of it and he's going to get hot Um, usually you know there are some loud outs as a part of that there are some line drives right at guys or there are some deep counts and he'll work to three and two it's not filled with first pitch swing tap out ground ball double play back to the pitcher and he's had a lot of those just fidgety, you know, not taking confident swings, not being a good offensive baseball player beyond like getting the bat to the ball, not having a good approach. Um, just, just, just a brutal, brutal stretch right now for Nolan Arenado. And I'm not as confident as I could be as I have been at other times of like, well, he's going to come out of this and he's going to look great. The, the career numbers tell you that at some point, He's going to have a hot stretch, right? But it, I mean, through process right now, it doesn't look good. You can't say, well, just stick with your process the way that, you know, I've been saying like about the Rockies starting pitching for the team as a whole. If they continue to get good starting pitching, they're going to be in games and they're going to win a lot of those games. And if, if you were in at bats, you know, Nolan Arenado and David Dahl had been this way this year until going on to the 10-day IL, uh, McMahon at times, but he's much more now in at bats, right? His numbers aren't great, but the strikeouts have come down a bit, and he's in the at bats through the process. You can look at Ryan McMahon and go, okay, okay. You're not eating it the way you were before, but Nolan Arenado is just, I don't know what to do. So, yeah, bench him for a game, you know, and maybe even do it here and now before you start up against the Dodgers. But you can't bench him for more than a game ever. And moving him down in the lineup would like is only going to mess with the guy's confidence that much more. But no one's got to get it going. This team can't contend without him. That's simple. He's the superstar player. He's getting paid superstar money. 
He said superstar stuff in the offseason, demanding that those around him perform better or that the, uh, that the front office go and get guys who could match his level of production. Well, right now, you don't want anybody matching his level of production. So he has to get it together. No two ways about it, if I may borrow from our guy Patrick Lyons. Henry, do I feel like Colorado is going to get knocked out of playoff contention? I do not. Uh, Do they need to, like, I mean, even the math there is really tough because 16 teams are going to make the playoffs. Um, I do think that they're going to explore the trade deadline. I think they're going to uh, look at acquiring a reliever in particular. Um, And Ryan, I'll I'll say no. I, I don't think... They're going to get swept here by the Astros, but you never know. But, again, it's just four-game sweeps are, are rare. If for no other reason. Obviously, the Rockies aren't playing good baseball right now. But typically when teams snap out of it, there's not a huge sign they're going to, especially offenses. But, again, as long as the starting pitching continues to be there, if they make a key bullpen acquisition or two, They'll be just fine. I mean, they're not going to win the division. Yeah. Is the division slipping away from them, as you ask here in your second question? Yeah, absolutely. The division was always going to be a long shot. Let's understand that. The Los Angeles Dodgers are the more talented team with way more resources, a much deeper roster, and analytics departments that make a whole lot of money and employ, like, 20 people. And, yeah, like... That was always going to be an uphill battle. But that's not totally gone. I mean, it's a short enough season that what you need there is for the Dodgers to go through a cold stretch, which can happen. Um, But honestly, chasing the NL West division title, like the only thing the Rockies really need to do this regular season in, in making the playoffs, because again, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs relatively comfortably. What you don't want is to make the playoffs as that last seed or that second to last seed and have to play either the Dodgers or you know whoever else might get really hot here. I guess the Cubs could be... Uh, Really, you just want to avoid the Dodgers in the first round, which is going to be easier this year than it's ever been before because of the formatting, because they're not going to naturally uh, inherently be the wild card team if they don't win the division. So the real trick here is just avoiding that scenario where you've got to play the Dodgers or I guess maybe the Cubs if you feel like that's a bad match. The Braves, they, you know, they might be that next team. But that's the other thing, too, is you know, we've all kind of got our our brains established for old school baseball, and and I do it too. I and, and I've I've had a number of these, and, I, and I'm trying to retrain my brain. And you know, but it's not just the NL West that we have to take a look out look at anymore. It's who are the teams running away with the National League? Because yeah, the Dodgers are out there now, very comfortably with their 18 and seven record, but. You know, the Braves had a bit of a slow start. They're 5-5 five and five over their last 10, so they're not exactly hot. But they're there at 14-11. and 11. So, you know, the Rockies at 13-11. and 11. 
Um, the Cubs, as I mentioned, now at 16 and 8, they've been great. But other than that, there's nobody else in the Central with a winning record. So the Cardinals and Brewers are hanging out. You know, the Cardinals haven't played as many games, and they're going to have stuff to make up. The Reds, after a little bit of a hot start, have cooled off. Nobody in the East is going bananas crazy good. And so, you know, it, it, it's got to be about maintaining. And as it stands right now, you know, the Rockies trying to stay in the top half of the National League. That's, it's much more like a basketball conversation, right? Like very much a basketball conversation of just stay in the, in the top half and try to get home court throughout the playoffs. <laughs> so, so we got to retrain our brains to this stuff because not being able to catch the Dodgers just isn't as punishing as it used to be. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a rough stretch. They'll recover from it. The question is just how much. Ryan, uh, you know, the question is Bud Black on any kind of hot or even warm seat. He seems above reproach for whatever reason. And I think, Ryan, it's simply because he's the most stable manager they've ever had in the history of their ball club. And, you know, I I know he makes questionable decisions. Every manager makes questionable decisions. Um, and there could be a deeper debate about Bud Black. Just crossing the bar of the best the Rockies have ever had is not necessarily, right, the, the highest bar cross but I do think that he rightfully gets a ton of credit for the pitching success of guys like John Gray and Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland and Antonio Senzatella the young guys essentially right the guys who've really come up under his tenure and Ryan I've I've discussed the seniority thing before I don't I don't think that Bud Black trusts seniority more than the average MLB manager. It's a tough one because baseball is a game that requires like a ton of at-bats, right, before you really know what somebody is capable of. Of. And th there are absolutely times where I've been with the consensus of, like, they should be playing the younger guy over the veteran. But I really don't think there's a, a steadfast philosophy there. I, I really think, like, there wasn't with David Dahl, right? And there wasn't with John Gray. They, and there wasn't with Antonio Sensatella, who they threw right into the mix at 22 years old without having pitched at double-A yet. And some people will say, well, that was just out of necessity, but that was also out of belief in Antonio Sensatella. And so, I don't think the problem with this team is Bud Black. Oh, let me just put it that way. This team has some issues. And as much as I'm somebody who still thinks they're going to contend in that, you know, at least for, again, that top half of the National League, and as much as I'm somebody who has quote-unquote defended, or rather, I would say, made arguments using facts that happen to support the case of Jeff Breidich, 
I could make a list of the top 10 things that are troubling this team, whether it's right now or going back to last season, what, wherever you wanted to make the cutoff for. And I could give you a breakdown of things that are, are not going well for them and who is to blame for those things. And Bud Black would not make the list. Like, again, I've questioned his decisions individually here and there. I, you know, the, the Wade Davis game, I put almost squarely on the shoulders of Bud Black. Um, but you know, there was nothing he could have done about this 13 to six loss to the Strohs. There's nothing he could have done about the first two games against the Strohs where he got fantastic starting pitching and an offense full of guys who mostly had been hitting going into that series in Houston just didn't some of it in game two was Zach Greinke. A lot of it in game two was Zach Greinke and a lot of it was terrible strike zones. I went through, but they don't, again, they didn't have any of those excuses tonight. Legitimate as they were in the first two games, the Rockies just hit like garbage in game three. All the way around. Except except my boy, Ramel Tapia out there getting base hits. Other than that, they were bad. They were just bad. And I'm not making excuses for that. I wouldn't. Um, as much as people think I make excuses, I'm here to point out the facts. My analysis may not line up with other people's, but it is fact-based. And so, yeah, Asiel, I agree with that. The next two series will really tell us where they're going. And there's a part of me that thinks they're so cold now that just the stupid laws of baseball say they're going to heat up at just the right time uh, to play some divisional opponents here and to go take it to the Dodgers. But we you know we know... It also doesn't work like that. Um, well, and Ryan, here and here's where I often have these disagreements with people, right? So you say the starting pitching has been so above expectations. And I say they have been mildly above mine. John Gray has been what I thought he'd be. Armand Marquez has been what I thought he'd be. Kyle Freeland has been slightly better than I thought he would be. And Antonio Sensatella has been, and I really do mean slightly better than I thought he would be. But if you if you listen to the podcast, if you read the site, you know that I've been a massive proponent of Antonio Sensatella during the offseason, thinking that he was going to do this stuff. And so... I get why people are surprised in general that Rockies pitching in big gigantic quotes and block letters, right? Rockies pitching is good. And we've seen the bullpen fall back to earth. The bullpen at the beginning of the season surprised me. And now, no, not, surpri- not surprised. Boy, they could use Scott Oberg, couldn't they? Couldn't they use Scott Oberg? But... I don't think the starting pitching is going to have a massive collapse anytime soon either. Freeland, again, back to our our conversation about process when I was talking about Nolan Arenado and just how terrible he's been. And right now, it's terrible because of a terrible process where his slump early in the season was 
terrible because he was just a little bit out in front and he was running in a little bit of bad luck and a couple other things here and there, but not really bad process. So you knew he was going to come out of it. And then he did. And then he went back into a slump and now his process looks awful and I have no idea. Freeland's process looks fantastic. Herman Marquez's process looks fantastic. Gray's process has been very interesting. Gray, and we've talked a lot about it, right? Gray's process has been the velo isn't there, and so he's searching for it, throwing more sliders, uh, looking for wipeout stuff, but locating more often than not. And so process-wise there, there are concerns with the velo, but as long as the command hangs around where it's been and the slider stays a good pitch, then he'll be, at worst, a, a number three quality pitcher, which is what he's been, right? And then Sensatella, 100% the process, is it's a thousand times the results of what he's doing. It's not at all luck, and it's not at all he's catching guys off guard, and it's, he's throwing 97 on the edge, and he's backing it up with a wicked slider and curve. And when he gives up runs and hits, it's because he's hanging the slider or curve. Like, I, Antonio Senzatella's results have been about as true as any results I've seen uh, this, this season. Like, when he's getting his outs, it's because he's pitching remarkably well. And when he's getting hit just a, the little bit that he has, it's because he's hung a couple. Um, Wild the Innocent, I do think John's Velo will come back. It has before. I worry a little bit about the dead arm stuff. Um, but I, you know, I, I get why it's hard to believe in any of it. I do. I get why it's hard to believe that John Gray will be fine or that Marquez, you know, is going to stick around in the sort of top five or seven pitchers in baseball conversation. Just the idea that any Rocky would do such a thing is just, if you've been following the team as long as I have, I get why it's counterintuitive. If you've been following the team as long as I have, that means you've always been following the Rockies for their entire existence. And, right, I see how nothing is fine right now. Everything hurts. They're playing crap. They're also getting unlucky. It is, it is a game of insufferable patience. That's right. It's, it's designed to hurt everyone involved. Everyone fails more than they succeed. The Dodgers have won six divisions in a row but can't win the World Series. You know, the Yankees, who are those perennial contenders, haven't won one in forever. The teams that do sneak in and win the World Series. Patrick Lyons and I were having this argument today about, you know, building long windows of contention and can these small market teams do it and I was talking about how baseball is just a game that's dominated by the Yankees the Red Sox the Dodgers and the Cubs and you know he's pointing out yo man Royals Giants this guy's won the World Series in the last decade Nationals last year now we don't know about the Nationals but look at where the Royals and the Giants are now that's the price they paid for those runs. Now, the Giants got three World Series out of it. That might be about as best as anyone has parlayed a window of contention. 
But that's the thing. Those four teams get to be perennial contenders. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. They get to be perennial contenders. Everybody else has to play with windows of contention. And you try to make it as long as you can or do as much as you can with it. Wild the innocent. I, I, I don't know if the Astros window is, is closing. I'm not sure. Because of money, right, that's the because, because of the money structure, because of the economics of baseball and the long history of it. And um, there's some romanticism to it. I've said before, it, it does make it sweeter for that moment. You know, the Royals, when they finally get there and win it, if you're, you know, Rockies go on some magical run, if they would have pulled it off in 2007, or if, you know, some things could have gone their way in 2018 and they'd have made a great run. It would have tasted so much sweeter because they play at a disadvantage. From a money standpoint, from a paying attention standpoint, and in their case, from an environment standpoint. And it's not to build in an excuse. Again, those are the facts. And they still need to contend, and they still need to try to win every single baseball game. But everybody, almost everybody in baseball is playing a little bit of a disadvantage if they're not one of those four teams. <laughs> At the very least, we can all agree on that. Ryan, yeah, they're not huge on selling off prospects largely because all of the most successful teams in their history have been largely homegrown. And they've had such a checkered history of bringing in people from outside the organization, whether it's through free agency or trade that has a track record. And you go, well, this guy should be good. He's, he's been very consistent wherever, where you're talking about Jeremy Guthrie, Baltimore, or Brian Shaw in Cleveland, or Mike Hampton and Denny Nagel, or even on the offensive side, uh, Daniel Murphy, Ian Desmond, Jake McGee. I, I'm, you know, these are just the ones I'm coming up with off the top of my head. And you look at the guys who power the team, the guys you don't question, right? The guys you're not looking for replacements when you boot up MLB The Show or when you're, you're fantasy GMing yourself and you're swinging trades at the deadline that you'd like to see and you're targeting people. You're not replacing Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, right? As bad as he's been this year, you're probably still not looking to replace David Dahl, Ryan McMahon. Again, if you're paying real close attention, I don't think you're there. John Gray, Kyle Freeland, these guys, you know, you're not looking to replace those guys. Scotty O, if you've been playing this year, Oberg, right? And what do all of those guys have in common that I just named? Every single one of them is homegrown. Drafted by the Colorado Rockies. Raimel Tapia, I didn't throw his name in there, not drafted by the Rockies, but brought up through their system. Other guys like Tony Walters and Herman Marquez were acquired by the Rockies as minor leaguers and then you know, made their major league debut with the Colorado Rockies. So while not drafted and, and fully homegrown, still to some degree home seasoned, if you will. Ryan, I agree. Could I earn more? No. Those were good additions. There, there are some. There are exceptions to the rule, to be sure, and there are plenty of, of Rockies prospects who, you know, they thought were going to be hot stuff, and, and, and it didn't work out. 
right? Plenty of pitchers over the years, Kyle Parker, first baseman outfielder. Um, so, yeah, you can't have a blanket rule of no free agents and no trades. And they haven't, right? They've swung some decent trades as well, um, just not for their top prospects. They've gone sort of that B and C level and made moves for Pat Neshek and Jonathan Lucroy and Son Juan O oh, uh, and, and those types of, of additions. Um, I agree. Kadair and Morneau, I think, were the best exceptions to the rule. But even a guy like Marco Scudero, who had been super consistent throughout his career, came here and was awful, and then goes to San Francisco and is fantastic again. It's just like you have to deal with a different set of things, and and it's just so difficult to predict who's going to be able to handle it. Look at Brian Shaw's comments when he went to Seattle. Everyone wanted to just dunk on Brian Shaw, and fair enough, go ahead. I'm not going to try to Dikembe Mutombo you on any of those, but I am going to simply point out that he's giving us valuable information when he says, man, Coors Field really messed me up. He's reminding us that some guys can't deal with it. And and that's not to say that it gets to be an excuse for everybody and nobody can pitch there. You know who pitches really well at Coors Field? John Gray. And, you know, so when I see fans out there, because his career ERA isn't that great, and every once in a while he has an ugly-ass start, and People want to come down on the guy. And I'm like, I've watched this team for 27 years now, and nobody has, for the amount of time that John Gray has, been able to just stay in the water and manage to continue to go back out there and put up a quality ERA at Coors Field. It's amazing. And... You know, Freeland now is on track to be that as well. So I do think that they have to home grow most of their roster. But I also think that you've just got to nail those trades or free agent moves. And, and they obviously haven't, right? Jeff Breidich is not. He's been decent with trades. He's been good with in-season trades. Good to great with in-season trades. He's made almost no off-season trades, and his free agent signings have been almost to a man a disaster. I will forever, to the end of my life, on my deathbed, I will be defending the Gerardo Parra free agent trade. I don't care what his F-war was. Um, Gerardo Parra was a massive, massive reason why they were good in 2017 and 2018 and then not in 2019. And again, I will take that to my grave. (laughs) Um, But beyond that, you know, you can look at a year for Jake McGee. You can look at Greg Holland. But again, Greg Holland, almost no money. That's what they should be doing. The Greg Holland and the Tyler Kinley, we'll see how that pans out. Maybe Daniel Bard or or Matt Kemp, we'll see how those pan out. But um. Yeah, he hasn't sold the farm, and, and it gets him a pass to some degree, Ryan, but I also think it's been the right way to go. When you look at what his farm has produced over the last several years, you know, would they like to have hit on a few more? Would it be nice if David Dahl could stay healthy or if Brendan Rodgers had gotten there just a little bit quicker and also a little bit of a health issue? Yeah. Scott Oberg, that's a that's a that's just a huge Bummer. I don't even have anything to do with baseball. Blood clots. That's dumb luck. 
But the farm has been where this team has gotten their value. And I think Brendan Rodgers is going to provide this team some value. And I think the Rockies have gotten mostly what they were going to get out of Chris Owings. I think they squeezed some some offense out of that guy much more than I thought they were going to. And they're going to ease Rodgers in. I saw a question earlier, why didn't they just throw him right in there? I don't think that's a good idea. I think you ease him in. And they were able to get him a little work in this game, and that's, that's good. And he hit the ball hard twice, came up with a base hit, a couple of RBI. It's going to feel good. Maybe get him right back in there. Find a spark plug for the team. No problem with that, especially if you're going to give um, Nato a day off. And you're going to move McMahon over to third, though they've been reluctant to do that. So maybe you have Rodgers play third. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, I like – I'm not overly concerning him because of the starting pitching. And remember, you know, Marquez and Sensatella are 25. Um, Gray and Freeland are 27. It shouldn't be a, a, a total shock that these guys who had some shine on their resumes before this year are, are performing very, very well. And I don't think any of them... No, I'll say this. I don't think any of them is, has pitched their best game yet. And I know Sensatella just had an eight-game shutout the other day. I don't think any of them has pitched their best game of the season yet. Ryan, I, I know that the um, that blood clots can be very serious. Um, I don't know the details on the Scott Oberg situation most recently the last time i talked to him he told me that his doctors had said that they really thought they had gotten it mostly under control but then obviously there's this most recent flare-up and with covid and 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 all the other things i just haven't had a an opportunity to catch up with scott so i don't know and obviously i i would loathe to speculate on something um so serious but i I really hope not. And, you know, he is, he has said, I think on his Instagram that he intends to come back and pitch. And if you can't root for Scott Oberg, you can't root for anybody in pro sports. <laughs> like, like if that's not a guy, like, I don't know what your, what your rooting interests are. If you can't pull for Scott Oberg, Jesse, yep. Got to salvage that win and get up for LA. Uh, you're not crazy. The Rockies are better than this. They are due. Um, but there are real issues here that need to be fixed as well. Um, they desperately need help in the bullpen. I do think that Almonte and uh, Bard and Estevez are all going to be fine. I think Diaz will work it out, but obviously right now he's a total... Quite, I'll, I'll go with question mark. Um, Kinley, same thing. You can't trust Tyler Kinley even though I think he's got, we all know he's got good stuff. That's not the question. Uh, can he just a couple of times throw it where he wants to? That'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, that'd be solid. Um, the bullpen's a real issue, and it'll be up and down. They'll get their good games and their bad games. You got to hope that this was they got that one out of their system. You know, Jeff Hoffman's been fantastic all year. Comes into this one, just gets knocked around. The pitch he threw to Kyle Tucker wasn't even a bad pitch. Just, Okay. You know, just you get the baseball back and, and, and you keep going because they make you play all nine at this level. But other than the bullpen and Nolan Arenado's slump, because, again, 
when you are a team that's not as stacked as the Dodgers or the Yankees, your superstar player has to play like a superstar. And Nolan Arenado has not played like a superstar this season. Not yet. Obviously, on defense, he do what he do. It's automatic over there. Um, I hope not with Davis, you guys. <laughs> don't, don't put that thought in my head until... Let's cross that bridge when we come to it. But... The bullpen is the only part of the team that I think has actual, like, fundamental flaws... We know what Nolan Arenado is capable of. Just has to do it, and there's there's not much other way to to pick apart the analysis than that. He just has to do it. Uh, and if he starts to do Nolan Arenado things, if the starting pitching remains good, then your ball club's going to win a decent number of two to one or three to two, four to two baseball games, and stay in the top half of this weird playoff system that we're going to have this year so stick with us through all of it i appreciate you all hanging out with me for this one may end up preserving this as a podcast after all turned into a pretty good conversation though we didn't talk about the game too much i don't think anyone's going to be that concerned that we didn't talk about the game too much no one no rockies fans out there looking to relive that one so now i give you our conversation on the final game and the sweep and Patrick Lyons' thoughts on where the club is right now. And we have got to discuss a 10-7 loss at the hands of the Houston Astros, culminating a four-game sweep by that club of your Colorado Rockies. I'm sorry, a 10-8 loss. That's right. <laughs> so many things happened there late in that, that last run from Sam Hilliard coming in. But uh, really... Patrick, there was so much that happened in this game, and, and we got to dive into some of it and some of the guys on offense who had great games and, and all of that. But for me, this basically came down to one thing. Armen Marquez beat himself on the mound out there in front of everybody today in a way we've seen him do in the past, but in a way I thought was I thought was behind him. A big part of my analysis, and I think a big part of your analysis that was in the same vein about Marquez being a Cy Young contender this year, about cementing himself as the Rockies' ace, was that he was going to stop doing this exact thing, where when he gets frustrated, when things aren't going his way, and he just starts throwing get-me-over pitches, he comes out of his mechanics, he starts rushing his delivery... He expects guys to get themselves out and ends up turning a, a molehill into a mountain. And that's exactly what he did by allowing 10 earned runs in this one. Yeah, a pair of five spots is going to be a, a valuable learning lesson for him going forward because in the process of this poor outing, he nearly doubles his ERA from 2.25 to 4.38. So any hopes that he had of being in the conversation for Cy Young, not to mention he's two and four, which is a topic for another day, but it it has been washed away for the time being. Now he can very easily get back in it, but it's just one of those lessons. No, but easily, but he can't, (laughs) he's going to have to be incredible to the point you're making. He's he's going to have to be 
Yeah. Right. Three starts, he's back in that. But that's the lesson that you learn is like, look, you work hard all off season. You work hard in each one of these starts that you go out. You can't afford to have that one bad one because, again, at Coors Field, it can get bad in a hurry where you're giving up a five spot in other places. That might only be three. And you can easily give up another five spot very soon thereafter against a team that ultimately doesn't really have a lot of pop. You know, besides Kyle Tucker, who came in this game uh, hitting under 250 or the series, really, they only had three guys that were doing anything at the plate, you know, from, from Reddick, Bregman, and, and Guriel. So and they had a lot of other guys that were somewhat questionable. So this was not a powerhouse lineup by any means. So, again, it, it's just one of those things you, you had to think about with a 25-year-old pitcher with as much experience as he is, but he's still only 25, and this is an unfortunate lesson uh, he's going to have to learn from and rebound. Yeah, the, the at-bat that really bothered me, Patrick, was the one with Jose Altuve there because, as you mentioned, you know, Kyle Tucker hits the triple, puts a run on the board. The guy's been hot. It, it wasn't a fastball right where Marquez wanted it, but frustrating to be sure. But you've got to live with that. That's a run. The guy is on third. He gets his big strikeout. Two outs now. Only one run has come in. All right, then the next guy, dinky little base hit to left field, gets another couple of runs in because Tapia misplays it. Now you're frustrated. I get it. The error Tap might have had a chance. He fields that cleanly. I think he probably is going to throw him out at the plate. And you're talking about a 2-0 game. But then Marquez came unglued. He threw three non-competitive, completely nonsense pitches to a guy who's hitting a buck 70 or whatever it is this year to put Altuve into a 3-0 count. And then he just tried to muscle a fastball by him high and tight. And when a guy gets to guess on a 3-0 count, of course you're sitting fastball high and tight and he nearly hit it out drove it off the wall to make it a five run inning and and that I think was just the type of thing that I I, re- I really thought he was going to stop doing and can't happen again for the rest of the season it, if you, it just can't it comes at such an awful time too when he seemed to be that shutdown starter where hey there's a losing streak happening we need to right the ship. He did it last year in San Francisco when they were 3-12 and 12 and nearly threw the no-hitter. Here they are going in this game only having won two of their last eight. Very you know, similar circumstance against a team uh, donning the orange. And yet he, he's, he's unable to get that job done. So it's, it's particularly disappointing considering they're going into a series against not only the Dodgers in L.A. for the next three days, but a surging Diamondbacks team. You have Carlos Estevez going out and... During the final two innings, I understand what Buddy was trying to do, saying, look, we're not out of this game. Um, we're going to need him to go the ninth, but now he is lost for Friday and, you know, may have a, a max, you know, he might not be able to get over two innings for the, the totality of the series, an inning on Saturday and Sunday, or maybe two on Saturday, whatever it is. So, again, it's that's one of those disappointing things. So Marquez could have made it, you know, all the more better. And then Joe Harvey goes and, has a bit of a you know elbow injury was pointing to that which is unfortunate you don't like to see so you know obviously things could have been much worse but man when they could have been so much better with with their ace on the hill it was very disappointing that it was not the case uh, whatsoever 
Yeah, I, I want to make a few more comments about Herman Marquez. I do see Henry's comment here about, you know, uh, how are they going to make a run back into playoff contention? Let's remember something right now. The Rockies are very comfortably in the playoff picture right now. Uh, a horrible stretch does not erase the 11 wins that you got at the beginning of a 60-game season. You don't, you don't have to give those back ever. There, another comment coming in here from Mile High Fever saying, remember when we thought they just needed to play 500 the rest of the year to make the playoffs? Guess what? That's still true. That's still 100% true. At two games over 500, the Rockies are actually comfortably in the top half. Now, that probably won't remain the case. It's starting to clump up there right now. And basically being at 500 right now makes you a playoff team. And so they're teetering there to be sure. Um, but they, they haven't you know, fallen out of this thing either. And, and it's a little bit early to start panicking as though they're five games out of a postseason spot. They've fallen out of comfort. Right where it yes, was yes. A discussion about them maybe contending for the NL West, that seems almost an impossibility right now. Again, a lot can still happen, but you look at this team and say, how can this be a division-winning team? Again, with a short season, that could be turned around in the final, you know, six weeks. Sure. But it seems a little bit unlikely with just how well the Dodgers are playing. And as you said, at 13 and 12 right now, with some games still left to play uh, Thursday evening. The, the Brewers uh, are only a half a game back with that uh, final wild card spot and uh, actually tied with Miami for the final wild card spot. And then St. Louis is right there a half a game back. Then another half, you got Mets, Cincinnati, and Phillies. So, you know, this is, this is you know, tw- in a 24-hour period, they could go from sitting pretty, you know, as a, as a playoff team to not like that quickly so and we know they're not going to continue to play at two and nine but even if they play at a a four and six pace that's not going to be good enough to get into the playoffs so they they've got to figure out a way to to turn things around and start you know splitting some series you know it was it was amazing when they were winning them you know on relatively easy Um, but now it's it's going to you know just looking to split the series to now hey you got to win this game against the rangers which they were barely able to do. And then, hey, you couldn't even get one from the Astros with three starting pitchers that, you know, are, are would be pretty hard to pick out of a, a lineup. However talented they are, they're not household names like you normally would have expected from the Houston Astros. So it's disappointing. Eight playoff spots, you're right, Drew, but you're right. It, it's, it's, it's getting kind of thick there, right there in, in the middle, and, uh, and anything can happen. They, they, they've got to figure it out and, and quickly. Yeah, I mean, they, they obviously can't keep playing like this. There were plenty of positive signs, and, uh, you know, I don't think Marquez is going to be that bad again. But, yeah, I mean, no no one's saying, like, hey, they're fine, just keep rolling out there and do absolutely nothing and everything will fix itself. Like, that's clearly not the spot that they're in. But they can, if they can get back to playing 500 ball, then, yes, they can be right there uh, in the playoffs and any kind of fun and interesting things can happen just based on matchups once you get there. And I, I think that they'll be a little bit better than that. Again, I've, I've cited the starting pitching throughout most of this, and I don't think what we saw from Marquez today is the new normal for him by any means. It was, it was awful. And I, and I will say, oh, yeah, there was one last point I wanted to make on that before we 
talk about the good signs on the offense. And that was, uh, I said something on Twitter, and I forget sometimes that there aren't timestamps when I'm immediately react- reacting to something live, that I really like that Bud Black left Herman Marquez in the game when he did. Let's be very clear. Obviously, if he could have taken him out right before the three-run home run, that would have been ideal. And I thought that he might. Um, and it was just an awful pitch that he threw, just a breaking ball right down the middle. Um, but after the three-run jack that made it 10-3 to at the time, I really liked that Buddy didn't go and get him there and bail him out. He made Marquez finish out that inning because he was still only like in the high 70s or low 80s with his pitches. He was still hitting 97. He still had movement and torque on all of his breaking stuff. He just, again, like I said, and I, and I very rarely accuse people of this, and you know how, everyone knows how high I've been on Marquez, and so, look, I, I get harsh when I need to. He quit out there today. I watched his body language. I watched him quit on the ball game and on himself and on the whole, out of anger and frustration. I get it. It's a frustrating game. I've done it in MLB The Show a hundred times. I've done it so many. You just get mad and you go, they'll get themselves out. It doesn't work that way. These guys are too good. And, but I love that Buddy made him finish it. I'm not bailing you out of this mess. I'm not going and getting the bullpen to come in here so that you can walk off and say this is somebody else's problem. Get your three outs because you're good enough to do it. Your stuff is there and you need to lock it in. And I need you your next outing to not have gone out like this on a three-run jack. So I I really liked that move. Yeah, that that goes back to that lesson of like, look, yeah, finish what you started. And you know what? If, If I don't know what the mindset of a pitcher is entirely when they, they go out of a game and you know the, the next guy goes and, and gives up a little single that scores two runs, that's on you. But you go, yeah, but that's also on him. Like, if he would have gotten that guy out, I wouldn't have been charged those two runs. So, no, Herman, all ten of those were on you. And there's no two ways about it. And you're right, that, that's, that's, a, that's a lesson that you got to teach, you know, sometimes these, these young guys. And frankly, with the bullpen, Struggling the way they did, yep. he had the bullets left that he could he could have gotten through it, even if it meant giving up another run or two, you know? Yeah, I see Drogo totally in agreement with you on that. And, you know, and I saw some people saying, because, you know, the bullpen came in through, what, three or four, like, no-hit innings, by no the way. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and people go, oh, why didn't Bud Black go to the – as if you could predict the bullpen, that this bullpen, the way they've been going lately, was just going to casually toss out four no-hit innings. Again, like, man, they're in a tough spot right now. I said on Twitter today, in addition to not playing well, the Rockies also can't catch a break. We've talked a little bit about – the umpiring, some of the bad hit luck, uh, some of the stuff like that. Those kinds of things tend to iron out over the course of a season. And Daniel, I see you, buddy. The manager and the hitting coach are going to be just fine. No one's losing their job in a 60-game season. It's just not a pragmatic thing to do to suggest that there's any particular specific thing that a coach uh, could do to make sure that all of the offense is clicking at the same time or that the manager is going to know how to pull all of the right strings in a baseball season that's literally never been seen before. So, no, I don't I don't think we're going to see, except for maybe in some franchises where the writing had been on the wall long ago, just 
across baseball, too many people lose their jobs. It's too weird of a season to be reaching conclusions about anything. No, precisely right. Because, you know, they've, they've had a great plan of attack in the early going with uh, getting those pitch counts up for, for the most part. They haven't done it every single game. Obviously, that game against Texas with Kyle Gibson on the hill. But, That's frustrating. But it's really, a, it's, it's been on the hitters, like, to, to get the job done late in the game. We've seen it far too many times. You know, the other team's bullpen come in and just just completely shut down the offense. They're just not, you know, executing. You know, Nolan's at, at the middle of that, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, again, he got a home run today, a, a double. So, you know, you, you like to see him, you know, break out of that a little bit. But it's just, you know, the players aren't entirely executing the way they need to or in the timely fashion in which they need to be executed. You know, the, the clutchiness just hasn't been there since right. early on the, the first two weeks of the season which now feels like you know the beginning of the season quote unquote you know in april really we're we're only talking about two weeks ago yeah and 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 even part of me with the way the offense responded they got the tying run to the plate several times there late and you thought okay all they need here even if it was just you know a little base hit here or there they're going to get a couple of runs and it like you said it just didn't go for them i do think over the course of the rest of the season some of those will, and that's why they'll remain in the thick of it. I know it really, really hurts right now to be a Rockies fan, but let's talk about the positive things. Let's talk, Patrick, first about our draft king of the game, Ryan McMahon. There was actually, you know, and I was sort of thinking about this. I was like, man, there's a, who do you even give draft king of the game to in this total stuff show of a nonsense crap ass baseball game and then i was looking up and down the lineup at all these hard hit balls and rymal tapia getting on base five times and nolan arenado with the home run and the double and uh sam hilliard with his first four hit game of his career but ryan mcmahon with the two two run jacks and a pair of walks a really good game for him offensively Early on, when it was close, he was keeping them in it, um, and and I think continuing to show more that you know the huge strikeout, totally empty games are mostly behind him. He's still going to strike out. Big power hitters tend to, but I think his his early slump is pretty firmly in his his rearview mirror now. Yeah, he entered this game actually 0 for 11 against Houston, so that was you know, obviously disappointing with the four strikeouts, but yeah, came back uh, with, with a vengeance there with, with a pair of two-run home runs. The only problem was they needed three two-run home runs. I think right. you might have even mentioned that on Twitter, yeah. uh, which, was, which was sharp. One, one short. <laughs> and on point, but you're right, there were, there were a lot of key stands at, standouts uh, that you could make the case for either of them, but you know, when, you, when you hit two long balls like that, obviously that, that, that puts you head and shoulders above the rest, so Hopefully he's snapping out of, of this funk a little bit. You'll you'll deal with those strikeouts if he's hitting the home runs. Uh, of course, you know you, you hope Story's not going the other way. He's unfortunately with a one for six game today. Yeah, um, two for eighteen in the series. Still batting just a little bit under three hundred. But again, you know he went a little bit quiet when they needed to. Unfortunately, yeah, so key moments they, too. Yeah, and hopefully they both can get back on the same page at the same time. And you could be looking at two or three victories in Los Angeles, but it's been hard to get all those guys clicking at the exact same time, and I think that's been part of part of the issue. But a lot of a lot of a lot of silver linings on the offense at the plate today. 
Yeah, like with anything else in baseball, they're either in a terrible spot and their momentum and rhythm is all bad and it's the worst place you want to be in going to L.A., or they're due. <laughs> they're due to all start clicking and sense. Kenneth, I'll do it. I'll make it happen. I'll go. I will go totally clean shaven, full on, all, no beard, no top. No if the Rockies totally no, I'll get rid of the eyebrows. No, no, sorry. This is, <laughs> this is like saying if if you win hit for the cycle, you get a you get a free chicken wing. No, no, and leave the eyebrows. eyebrows. full on manscaped for anyone you know, just to be sure that we're checking all the boxes. Just and you know, I'm not gonna have photographic evidence for all of that, but. We'll believe you. Yeah. You're going to have to take my word for that part. This goes both ways, though. I mean, what's Kenneth going to do for you if the Rockies do make the playoffs? There you go. Producer guy wants to know, Kenneth. That has two sides. (laughs) I think that could be tattoo time. I think think we could get out the the tattoo guns. The DNVR tattoo. Well, yeah. What do we we make? You got to come down. You got to come down and buy me wings and, and beer at the DNVR bar. Make it out to the DMVR bar, Kenneth. You will grow the full beard. There you go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there I just you go. hope well, it's patchy. I don't know. Do you want it to be like really good, as good of a beard as you have, Drew, or do you want it to be a real patch job with like? I was gonna say because if he grows out a great beard, if it's like a Brendan Rodgers style glow up, and all of a sudden he's just a full man, it was like you were a child six <laughs> months ago. I saw you. How are you a full grown mountain man now, Brendan Rodgers? Uh, so, Kenneth, if you pull that off, then we'll consider it even. But yeah, I uh, yeah sure. If the if the that's fun. If the team misses the postseason, I'll I'll shave it all off and uh, annoy my girlfriend for a few days. <laughs> With the sight of my clean-shaven face, which she's not a huge fan of. She's <laughs> like, not a huge fan of your face? That's, Is this that's what a, you're saying? I, I realized the way I said that. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, technically true. She'd you be look, slapping me. You look great when there's something else on your face besides yeah. just the face. Yeah, let's, let's cover it up. Let's cover it up. Let's make sure that that's all, all good to go. But... Uh, yeah, Patrick, with the, the offense picking it up, you know, they quietly scored six runs uh, yesterday as well. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that if you were a betting man, and I am a betting man, I've become one very recently, that I would bet on that offensive momentum to continue. And I'm going to take that bet to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'm going to find some stuff. Maybe they've got Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story to hit some home runs. Trevor Story's we were just talking about, do, do, do. He may be uh, plus some good odds to hit a donger a particular day out there in L.A. If you think, you know, Walker Bueller's been struggling just a little bit. Uh, Stripling as well. Those might be guys to take him against. Either way, there's all kinds of really cool sports bets at your fingertips if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now on your phone and you use that promo code DNVR to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code DNVR to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 
Yeah, and, and I think your, your pick of the week, if you're looking to make some money right there, is a, a game going on Thursday night. Angels, Giants, the over-under line is set at 9. You were going to see the over in that for sure, as Jose Suarez, a nice young pitcher for the Angel, Angels, uh, who made his debut last year. This is going to be his first start coming off the alternate site uh, squad that they've got there uh, in California. So I know they're uh, kind of struggling right now, even with Trout and Rendon and a lot of other stars uh, on their roster. But uh, you're going to see it over there. Kevin Gossman, he's doing an okay job in San Francisco. This game will be at Oracle Park. But uh, these two teams are going to link up for a lot of runs tonight. And even if this line was at probably 10.5, I would take the over. Uh, but it's only at 9. So go over on that. Um, and uh, it's, it's minus 109 right there. So you're going you're gonna to win some money. That one looks real good tonight. That's a, yeah, that's a great pick. All right, Patrick. You know what the worst news of the week actually was? What's that? Drunk History got canceled. Really? Yeah. On Comedy Central, but I wonder if it can still exist. Well, right, because it, it existed before, right? Because it was a Funny or Die thing, right? And it was right. sort of on YouTube, but just kind of in. Ex- there could yeah. be those deals where they have to sit out. Also, Comedy Central probably owns the concept now of. Drug they drug might now. So it would have to be something else, and if uh, perhaps if Doug Benson got involved, oh, okay, the producers of that show. They could maybe do something else. So they, they, they could find a spinoff of yeah. getting Doug with, yeah. <laughs> getting, getting history with Doug, something like that. Sure, right? Actually getting history with Doug could be a really great show. <laughs> Trademark that right now. And if you squat on that site, just give me like 25% of what you make, please. That's all we're that, asking. That's all. And that's then I'll give all. half of that to Drew. We'll both split it. Right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, Kenneth, no, I'm not lying. I'm, re- I'm really bummed out about that. I've, I've learned a lot of history through that show. Um, and so, yeah, just remember, there are bigger things in life out there, and that's, that's a frustrating one. But no, Patrick, I, I did sort of say my piece on where the Rockies are at right now and why I'm not overly panicked. And we've talked about it a little bit here today, but I want to go ahead and give you your opportunity now, especially since the sweep is complete uh, here and this stretch has gone out to now nine losses in their last 11 games you know can they get back on track how much of a panic and and what needs to be fixed first and foremost what is you know sort of the number one priority here well I will say that after opening day we would have <laughs> jumped to this point in the season and I would have seen the standings, you know, woke up from my, my brief coma, if you will, and seen that the Rockies were 13 and 12, I would have said, well, that's about right. That's about right. Uh, I would have been shocked to hear that the starting rotation 
would have been as good as it's been because it's been really, really well. And when it's been bad, it, it's been bad. But you can at least throw those out and go, shoot, they at least had the ability to be as good as they've been, which in previous years, you know, even last year, they didn't have that ability to go out and really shove and deliver on a night-in, night-out basis. And now that you're starting to see that and to find out that the offense is kind of been that weak spot for them, that is, you know, been been the thing that they need to figure out the most. Now the bullpen is is the, the third leg of that stool, if you will. Uh, that's also been wobbly, right. but we kind of figured that going in. We just didn't know, you know, who the participants were gonna be in that wobbliness, if you will. Right. It was gonna be, I love this uh, metaphor. Keep going. Oh, <laughs> uh, Davis. Oh, Shaw. Oh, right. McGee. And instead, you're not really saying that about anyone right now, uh, excluding, you know, Davis's blown safe. So he hasn't even been in the picture. So really, it's just been, that's a bummer or that's disappointing to see from this guy because they're not these huge, well-known entities. There are these young guys or Daniel Bard, you know, where you say, all right, you can't be perfect every night. This is still a really great story. So I think in a lot of ways they're they're playing over their heads, but I think they're 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 better than what we've seen uh, on a lot of these outings. And I and I think there's still that potential there. It does uh, make me a little bit worried that they might not have the depth at the alternate site because these pitchers are going down really quickly. Not just for the Rockies. The Rockies, I think, have been doing relatively well as far as keeping their pitchers healthy. Uh, we've just been seeing it for so many other teams, so that is a worry on the depth side. But I think the bullpen, considering all things, has been okay. It's really been that offense. And, you know, as far as, you know, what I would do differently, I, I really would just try to shake the lineup up as much as possible just to, just to get some fresh looks. You know, putting Hampson at the leadoff spot, I think definitely injected some life into the lineup, but it didn't really produce any more victories than, than, than what they were doing. In fact, it's, it's produced less, but again, not on Hampson. It's been more about Arenado. So maybe, just maybe, you need to drop him to fifth, which sounds crazy to say, but sometimes you have to do that. And that's not a message to send to Nolan, but it's, it's a message. That's just what you need. It, to communicate right to the team. Like, look, if you're not producing, we're going to get a different spot. David Dahl was an all-star last year. He was a guy that was going to be one of the first ones mentioned the entire offseason before his injury as this is a guy you need to watch. You need to make sure you select him early in your fantasy draft, whether you know, you're playing right. cross MLB or NL only. You need to know the name David Dahl. And now, he, you know, before he hit the IL, he was at the bottom of the lineup because he simply wasn't producing. And I know the difference between Dahl and Arenado is light years when you're talking about a Hall of Famer and a guy who's still trying to make his name in the league, I think dropping Nolan the fifth isn't such a bad idea, and maybe that just takes pressure off him. Maybe it takes a little pressure off some other guys in the lineup potentially too. Lengthen, lengthens the lineup up, and something happens. It just changes the complexity of the team just a little bit, just enough where maybe things start going, and maybe you have Josh Fuentes in the lineup a little bit to say, look, now you're playing the child's game, with your cousin and maybe that helps pick up his spirits just a little bit because i don't know if you noticed while fuentes didn't get any into any games until today their record since he went down to the alternate site wasn't very good coincidence possibly but the guy is 
you know, A-plus as a DJ in the clubhouse. There you know, go. DJ Fuent. But he just has that personality. He's a guy that you, you want to be around, you want to play with, has a good attitude and everything that he's been through. You say, wow, all right, I, I, I'm lucky and I'm blessed to have the spot that I'm at. Let me go out and do my thing because this guy's not even getting an opportunity to play. So uh, hashtag free Fuentes. Drop Arenado down in the lineup. Give Fuentes a couple starts. Just mix it up. And maybe you go and in this seven-game series between the Dodgers and Diamondbacks, if you can go four and three, however way you can do that, I think you're back on track for San Diego and San Francisco the next weekend after that. That's me. Love it. I don't think I'm going to better that. So we'll go ahead and wrap this one up here. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. You also got to follow us on all the social media stuff at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. And if you're subscribed to the DNVR.com, by the way, you can also get all kinds of cool merchandise discounts at DNVRlocker.com, like the shirts that Patrick and I are both wearing now. We got hats, we got masks, all kinds of cool stuff out there that you can get to make sure you're repping your team and your city through the thin times as well. Gotta rep even when it's not going well, because those bitter moments make the sweetest moments taste that much sweeter so again thank you all for hanging out appreciate you kenneth and a little too much a little too late again always always happy to see your entire name in the comment section thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there i promise you we will continue to be absolutely patrick Lyons and drew creaseman in here and until next time we will see you at the ballpark